My name is Joe Hawkins, and this is the History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects podcast. Welcome to History of the Mormon Church in 50 Objects, Episode 16, Emma Smith's Hymnal. In 2017, Christie's Auction House in New York shook the world with the most expensive sale of art in history. Da Vinci's Salvatore Mundi went up on auction, and when all the bidding ended, it was shipping off to the Louvre in Abu Dhabi for the hefty fee of $450 million. Though the world was stunned by the display of lucre and the rarity of the item, strange items going up for bid seems to be quite common at Christie's. For example, in 2013, the skull of a Triceratops was sold at auction for $270,000. Imagine having that on the mantelpiece above your fireplace. Also, in 2017, a plaster casting of Abraham Lincoln's face and hands went up for bid. They sold for just under $10,000. But of course, one of my favorite items that was sold there was in 2012, George Washington's personal copy of the U.S. Constitution and the Bill of Rights went up for sale. It was estimated to sell for around $3 million, but after the back and forth bidding, it ended up selling for just under $10 million. The list of items at Christie's Auction House are just as unique as they are expensive. For our purposes today, though, we're going to discuss a small and very old book, that went up for auction in 2006. Though the small 3 by 5 inch nondescript book seemed cast off, it was considered to be one of only three intact original copies that were still in existence. The bidding quickly escalated, and at the end, the book sold for the fee of $273,000. So what was this small book, buried on the list of expensive articles auctioned at Christie's? Today we'll be discussing the first hymn book organized by the Mormon Church, Emma Smith's Hymnal. So what is Emma Smith's Hymnal? It's a collection of hymns that was printed in 1835 and was called A Collection of Sacred Hymns of the Church of Latter-day Saints. When I think of all the things that Emma went through while producing this collection of hymns, I can't help but fill a soft spot in my heart for Emma and for the book. So, how did the book come about? The commandment for the creation of the hymnal goes back to the first days of the church after it was restored. In 1830, back in Pennsylvania, and just days after Emma Smith was baptized as a member of the Mormon church, Joseph Smith said he'd received a revelation that the Lord wanted Emma Smith to organize a collection of hymns for the church. In the revelation, the Lord had said the following to Emma, quote, And it shall be given thee to make a selection of sacred hymns, which is pleasing unto me, and to be had in my church. For my soul delighteth in the song of the heart. Yea, the song of the righteous is a prayer unto me, and it shall be answered with a blessing upon their heads. I would imagine that in any other circumstance, this task would have been quite exciting. Emma probably could have sat among her friends and colleagues, reviewing existing hymns from the other faiths speaking to members with poetic talents about songs they had written. She probably would have had a great time reviewing the progress with Joseph as they finished the project quite quickly. But, of course, in the early days of the Mormon Church, 
nothing seemed to be simple. To this point in previous episodes, we've discussed at length most of the challenges faced by the early Mormons, and in particular Joseph Smith. But in today's episode, we're just going to talk about Emma Smith. Now, I'm going to say from the onset, I'm a fan of Emma Smith. Emma was 22 years old and was a school teacher living in Pennsylvania when she fell madly in love with a young Joseph Smith. Unlike Joseph, who came from practically nothing, Emma's family was recognized and well off in the community. When Emma was engaged to Joseph, her father strongly disapproved. Not only was Joseph poor, he was making claims about seeing God, Jesus, angels, and even a gold Bible. Emma's father and family wanted nothing to do with it. Though Emma's family disapproved of Joseph Smith, Emma embraced him, and by extension, his claimed prophetic calling. When Joseph Smith needed someone to take him to the Hill Cumorah to retrieve the gold plates and begin the translation of the Book of Mormon, it was Emma Smith that drove him there. It was Emma that sat in the dark and waited for him, and then drove him home while the plates were wrapped in a bag. When visitors and neighbors showed up at all hours looking to find the plates, it was Emma that helped Joseph find new places to hide them away. When Joseph first needed a scribe to assist with the translation process, Emma scribed for him. When the neighbors got too pushy, Emma recommended they move back to Pennsylvania, buying property from her father to live on and to finish the work. Emma loved her family, and maybe Emma hoped her family would come around as they saw what Joseph was doing. It turns out just the opposite happened. Not only did they not come around, They flat out refused to see Emma ever again after she was baptized into Joseph's restored Mormon church. And now came the calling to organize a hymn book. From the beginning, Emma was dedicated to completing the task, but things became difficult for her. She soon became pregnant and delivered a baby. The baby, however, wasn't well and died shortly after birth. Joseph then moved Emma and the Mormons to Kirtland, Ohio, and he said the Lord had instructed him to organize the church there. Emma was pregnant again, and that trip couldn't have been comfortable. They didn't have a home to live in and moved in with members in Kirtland. Emma, who was pregnant with twins at the time, soon delivered, and both children only lived a few hours before dying right after birth. Emma was heartbroken. As she was heartbroken, it turned out that a local convert was also pregnant with twins. At birth, the children were healthy, but the mother, Julia Clapp Murdoch, wouldn't make it through the ordeal. John Murdoch now scrambled. What was he to do? Emma stepped up and adopted the twins, naming them Joseph and Julia. Emma continued to work on organizing the hymn book, among her many other tasks of raising the children and tending to Joseph. However, Joseph soon moved her and the kids to Hiram, Ohio, while he worked on the translation of the Bible. If you'll recall, peace wasn't to be found there. As just a few months later... As she and Joseph were up all night tending to the twins who were suffering from a severe case of the measles, a mob broke into the home. Emma watched in horror as the men choked out Joseph and drug him off into the dark. In wrestling with Joseph Smith, the covers were pulled off of young Joseph and the cold exasperated his condition. Emma then spent a few hours worrying about Joseph and tending to the kids when Joseph re-entered the home, naked, beaten, and tarred and feathered. Joseph Smith reported that Emma fainted on the spot. As young Joseph was exposed to the cold, his condition from the measles became fatal, and just a few days after the tar and feathering, poor Emma buried the fourth of five children. As the next few years would go on, Joseph was constantly gone. He was off to scout out Missouri 
as that was to be Zion. He would visit Missouri five times in the upcoming year. He went on a mission to Canada, and if you'll recall, organized Zion's camp, an attempt to recover the lost lands in Jackson County. We covered that in a previous episode. Through it all, Emma supported Joseph. She gathered a group of women that would gather all the supplies for the 200-plus people that made up Zion's camp. She would take in boarders in their home all the time. And during all of this, Emma worked on the hymn book. And in 1835, and with the help of W.W. Phelps, she finally saw it printed in Kirtland, Ohio. So how was Emma's hymn book organized? It was composed of about 90 hymns, of which 39 had been written by Mormon poets, poets such as Parley P. Pratt and Eliza R. Snow. They met with Emma and contributed their work. Emma also adapted several non-Mormon texts, and altogether they made up the hymn book. The book themselves, like I had said, were about three by five inches so that they could fit in your vest pocket. None of the hymns had music accompanying them. They were just straight texts, so you either had to know the music, adapt the text to the music of a song that you already knew, which was a common practice at the time, or you would just recite the text itself. Emma organized the hymns by numbers and then arranged them by subjects, such as morning hymns, farewell hymns, evening hymns, hymns on baptism and sacrament, and so forth. Of the hymns, 26 of the original 90 are still found in today's Mormon hymn book, including Redeemer of Israel, How Firm a Foundation, and The Spirit of God. So, where can you see a copy of Emma Smith's hymn book? If you go to the Joseph Smith Papers website, you can search her hymn book. They've taken a picture of the book and a picture of every single page. You can swipe the pages and read it all, and it almost feels as if you're holding a copy in your hands. It's pretty incredible. So, what did Emma's hymn book mean to early Mormons and to Mormons today? Music is an important part of Mormon worship. Although only about 500 copies were originally printed, the Mormons swept them up and immediately put them into daily practice. The hymns are both used in home and during services. They're sung in sacrament meetings, in baptisms, and at the temple. The hymns would provide the Mormons with a way of worshiping as they went about their daily mundane tasks. The Mormons would use them to get through some of their toughest times, like trekking across unsettled lands on their way to Utah. Although her hymn book will go through more than 12 revisions before arriving in today's hymn book, the message and the meaning behind the book draw their roots from Emma's work. In closing, I just want us to think about the sacrifices of Emma Smith. Joseph Smith translated the Book of Mormon and did some amazing work, but Emma Smith, through all the years, never once got to see the gold plates. Emma didn't have any revelations or heavenly visitations that we have recorded. Emma stood by Joseph and helped support all of the early Mormons, and along the way, she organized a way for the Mormons to worship through song. An awe-inspiring work, especially when weighed up against the personal cost. So that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode on Emma Smith's hymnal. As always, if you enjoyed this, please share it with a friend on social media or leave me a review on iTunes. It means a lot. Thanks again for listening.